0: Good morning again, church. Morning. If you do not know me, my name is Paballo, And I have the privilege of leading the team here at Following Jesus. And I say a privilege because indeed, I wonder every morning when I wake up, why me, Lord? And I realize he's saying it is a privilege to work for me. So I have that privilege. And like Chrissy said, if you are in this place and you are visiting, please. Just keep talking, i want to with Yeah. wanna? I'm to with Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the I don't know these things, you know. Um, I don't know what to to, what I tried, and <laughs> so I decided it's fine as long as people can hear me. There you go. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so, as you see, I think I need someone to do this every Sunday. Just to make sure that my things are in order, you know. Um, <clears throat> as Chrissy said, if you are visiting with us this morning, a warm welcome to you. I didn't know there is cake, so <laughs> I'm going to be the first one in line for that cake. So please come have cake with me. I heard that it's Pule's birthday, so is the cake for Pule? Uh, or is it just cake because we love sweet stuff? <laughs> okay, we don't need a reason to have cake, so it's good. Let's have cake, okay? <laughs> So, guys, as you know, um, we've started a new journey as a church as we've gone through transition. And this week, I had to correct someone and say, we are not going through transition. We've transitioned. Now we are moving ahead. So, I need to also start using that language and say, now that we're moving ahead, God has laid something in my heart and because like any other leader... You go to God and say, okay, God, now what? What's going to happen on the first week of February when we start our own journey as following Jesus, when Alexander has moved on? And God laid this book in my heart, and it's also a book dear to me, and I'm hoping that when we finish going through this book, indeed God would have done something in our hearts. And the book is the book of Nehemiah, and we are going to spend some weeks in this book. My plan was to spend four weeks, and the team said, no, make it six. And then I'm hoping God will say, make it 12. (laughs) So we'll see. So if I don't finish, please bear with me. I'm just depending on the Holy Spirit to guide me. But for the next coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah is an interesting book in a sense that most of the time when we talk about this book, what normally happens is people's minds already go to the wall. Rebuilding of the wall. And because of the season that we are in as following Jesus, people can mistake this as ha, are we starting to do something afresh now? And my answer is yes and no. Yes, we are doing something new. But we are not doing something that's totally new at the same time. Because we have people who've come before us. Who've put a foundation. And we are continuing the journey that they've started. And even in the book of Nehemiah, we cannot read this book in isolation. Because in fact, this book at some point was the same book with the book of Ezra. And somehow it got divided into two. So if you read this book, it's important that you go back to Ezra and you go back to other scriptures and find out how it's connected to this book. So the work that Nehemiah comes to do in Jerusalem, it's not the first time that someone comes to do work in Jerusalem. So King Nebuchadnezzar, With his Babylon kingdom comes. And because of the rebellion of the children of Israel, God gives them into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he comes with his army and they demolish the city, they demolish the temple. And the children of Israel are taken into captivity. So King Nebuchadnezzar takes the children of Israel into captivity and they spend years and years and years there. And 70 years goes by. And as we know with the kingdoms of this world, kingdoms come and go. So the new kingdom rises and that kingdom is Persia. And they defeat the Babylons. And once they defeat the Babylons, the new king sits on the throne. And the new king, God puts it in his heart for him to release the children of Israel. To go back to Jerusalem and rebuild their own city. So God puts it in King Cyrus' heart to release the first group. And that group goes with Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel gets to Jerusalem. And with 50,000 people that he took from Babylon... He starts rebuilding the temple of God. People of God are now worshipping in the temple as they used to. But work doesn't end there. Another king comes into place. And that king, God puts it in that king as well. And says, come, release more of my children to go back to Jerusalem. And Ezra takes the second group to Jerusalem, and Ezra's mission is to reconnect the children of Israel to their God, to the book of the Law. Yes. So Ezra gets on with his mission. And 12 years later, brothers of Nehemiah, they go visit him, and Nehemiah says, "How is it back home?" The exiles that have been brought back home, how are they doing? And they say things are not going well. The walls of Jerusalem are in disgrace and people are not well. And once again, God puts it in Nehemiah's heart. And once again, God puts it in Nehemiah's heart. And Nehemiah gets sad when he receives this news. So we see that the story of Nehemiah is a story of a continuation of the work that his predecessors had done. And he's just going to continue on that work. Similar to us following Jesus, this season is a season that we are building on. Trevon Clolas of this world, Alexander Fenders of this world have started the journey in this place. And now we are the generation that's going to take this forward. So when we read this book, let's not read it in isolation. Let's remember that work has been done. Even though the walls of Jerusalem are down, The temple has been rebuilt. People have been reconnected to their God. Yes, they went back to sinning, but work has been done. And all we are doing is to continue the work that God has set before us. And guess what? There will be another generation that will come and take the journey forward after us. So, we start from verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 1 reads as follows. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, what? Hakali. in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the dale of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of other men. And I questioned them. About the Jewish remnant that had survived exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived exile are back in the province. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burnt with fire. And Nehemiah says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When I heard the news, I was disturbed. I mourned. I cried. I fasted. I prayed. When I read this, I ask myself a question How do I receive bad news? What is my response to the bad news when I receive them? And Nehemiah is teaching me in this verse, he's giving me counsel on how to receive bad news. He tells us, I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. So where do we take our worries? Trevor Kinsley where do you take your worries when you received news that your daughter needed an operation how did you mourn that how do you mourn the walls that have been broken down in your life God is saying Bring them to the God of heaven. This is how Nehemiah prays. He says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and let your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant, that's praying before you. Lord, I'm praying to you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Nehemiah receives bad news, but still puts God in his place. He starts his prayer by recognizing who God is. And he says, A God of heaven, the great and awesome God. This is how we respond to bad news. We call the God of heaven. We put him in his place because he's forever good. Our circumstances might change, but he remains the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So when we go to him, We don't just go with our problem. We go recognizing who he is in our lives. Oh, God of heaven, awesome and mighty God, eh, Nehemiah says. Remember the instruction God gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. Nehemiah prays to God and confesses to God not just his sins, but the sins of his people. Not just his sins, but the sins of his people. How often do you pray for the sins of your fathers, for the sins of your children, for the sins of your siblings, and confess on their behalf and say, God of heaven, I put my brother before you. God of heaven, your children of Israel have disobeyed you and you said you'll scatter them. But I, Nehemiah, I'm coming before you and I'm putting them before you. I'm interceding on their behalf. Nehemiah confesses the sins of his fathers, the sins of his generation and the sins of the generation that came before. It is biblical. I've just read it. It's not my own words for us to mourn and pray and confess for the sins of our fathers and for the previous generations. Let people not lie. Nehemiah could have easily said, Ek I did not get involved in this. In fact, I was not even born. But he knows. He's head of the disobedience of the children of Israel. And when he comes to the father, he says, Oh, Lord, forgive them. Oh, have mercy on them. Oh, Lord, you promise that if they return, you will do something with them. And he does that. And this returning, Nehemiah knew and understood that it came from a promise that God had made. God had made it throughout scripture. In Jeremiah 29, verse 10, this is what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place." And he was talking about this season that the exiles of Israel found themselves. And when Zerubbabel took the first group home, this is what God was doing. He was fulfilling a promise that he gave generations back to say, when 70 years is finished, and indeed When 70 years was finished, Zerubbabel took 50,000 people back home. He's not man that he should lie. His promises are forever true. When he makes a promise, he sticks to it. It might be 70 years later, but he sticks to it. So let's believe in him and let's believe in his promises because he's not man that he should lie. Why was Nehemiah so sad when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were still down? It was more than 100 years since Babylon was destroyed. So why? It's not news to Nehemiah. The walls have been destroyed for more than 100 years. Why is all of a sudden getting concerned about this? It's because Nehemiah understood Today we might not understand what the walls represent. But in the past days, city without a wall was a city that was exposed to enemies. And Nehemiah knew that the walls resemble strength. They resembled the peace of the city. It resembled the safety of the city. And knowing that the temple was rebuilt and the walls were not Up yet. They were exposed to their enemies again. Nehemiah, he mourns. And he says, how can the walls not be rebuilt when the temple of my God is rebuilt? When we read this story, we see a man that God gives a burden to Because when Nehemiah receives the news, immediately God puts a burden in his heart. Mm -hmm. And that burden was to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And this is very important. Because Nehemiah didn't just sit and mourn and pray and fast. When three months was finished, when he finished the process of mourning, he said, okay, Lord, now it's time for me to do something about the burden that you've put in my heart. We don't just receive burdens and sit on them. We receive burdens We mourn over them. We fast over them. We pray over them. And then we take an action. And Nehemiah takes action. And in verse 11, he says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Hey. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting favor in the presence of this man. And this man he referred to the king, King Atisaxos. And he says, just by the way, Just by the way, I was a cupbearer to the king. (laughs) I was a cupbearer to the king. This God of promise, this God of love, this God of truth, didn't put Nehemiah as a cupbearer by chance. By mistake, he knew that one day, he's going to use this man in a mighty way. And some of us might be like Nehemiah. We might just be cup bearers. You know, the job of a cup bearer is to taste the wine before the king drinks. In case there is poison, Nehemiah must die first. Nehemiah was that guy who the king will say, eh, what do you think at the same time nehemiah couldn't behave in a certain way when he was around the king he was exposed to the wealth of the palace but he was still an exile some of us in this room god has put us in places and we think we are just mere kaberas and we haven't seen that God in his wisdom has put us in places for a reason. Same as Esther, maybe he's put you in that place for a time such as this. I know that God has put me here at following Jesus for a season such as this. Mm. Amen. So maybe you need to just say, I'm not just a clerk. I'm not just a teacher. Maybe you need to start asking yourself and saying, Lord, why have you put me here? Why have you put me here? And let God reveal his plans for your life in the place in which you exist. That's true. Yeah. Nice. So Nehemiah puts a plan in motion and he says give me favor in the eyes of the king so nehemiah in the 20th of nisan, in the 20th of nisan verse chapter 2 verse 1 in the 20th month of nisan in the 20th year of king artaxerxes when wine was brought to him i took the wine and gave it to the king it had not I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? Why, you are, why when you are not ill, your face looks so sad? And then this is what the king says. This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. A burden is a sadness of the heart. If you are driving, if you are walking, if you are in a taxi and you see something happen to someone and your heart gets full of sadness, you need to know that's God putting a burden in your heart. And you need to do something (coughs) about it. It is not just a feeling. It's God whispering to you. And saying, Babalo, do you see that poor lady? Can you feel how sad your heart has become just by looking at her? Babalo, it is me who's calling you to do something about it. So it is Babalo who needs to go and mourn and fast and pray and say, my God. The God of heaven, the awesome God, grant me favor and show me where to start. Can I ask you a question? Do you even know what your burden is in this life? Do you know, have you ever said and asked God, why have you put me on this earth For this time. All of us are here for a reason. God, in 2019, at following Jesus, has put us here for a reason. The question is, do you know that reason? Following Jesus do we know our burden as a church? Do we know what God has called us to and for for a time such as this? If we know what our burden is, the next question is, what are you doing about it? The dictionary says, a burden is a load. And then it says, comma. And then it says, typically a heavy one. (laughs) Typically a heavy one. When Nehemiah heard the news, even the king could see through his eyes that the burden you are carrying is a heavy one. A burden, it's something that brings sadness to your heart. It is something that you cannot get rid of. You go to bed, you think about it. You go to sleep and wake up and think about it. You are at work, you think about it. You are driving, you see it. You cannot shake it off. But also, a burden is something you should be willing to fight for. It's something you need to be willing to risk your life for. Do you know it was dangerous to be sad around the king? You could not be sad around the king. Yet Nehemiah, the burden he was carrying, was so much that even around the king, he looked sad. And most importantly, the burden must be and should be reconnected and connected to the redemption story of Jesus Christ. If your burden does not lead to people being reconciled to their God, it is not from God. When a burden comes into your heart... It should be in line with God's heart. It should be in line with God's purpose for your life and for his kingdom. When Nehemiah gets this burden, it was not for himself. It was to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem where the temple of God was situated, where the people of God had turned their back on God. (coughs) And his mission was to help the people. And as we move along, the series in the book of Nehemiah will realize that his mission was not just to build the wall, but to bring back the book of the law for the children of Israel who had turned their back <coughs> against their God. We need to find out what our burden is. And live in it. And do something about it. When I was growing up... When I was growing up... I grew up in Soweto. And as you can imagine... I was born in 1984. A few years... I think it's 10 years to be exact... Before apartheid ended. And even... In that tender age... I grew up in an environment where things were put in my head. I grew up in an environment where I was taught certain things about certain people. So I ended up growing up with a lot of hatred for white people because of the things that I was told they did to my people. And I grew up with that thing and it created such a hatred in my heart. And obviously, King Jesus came into my life. Praise God. Amen. And King Jesus, through his grace and through his power, healed my heart. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But he did not just heal my heart, he put a burden yeah. in my heart. Yeah. And he said, "Pubs, the very same thing that used to weigh you down, I'm going to use it. For my glory so if you want to know my what my burden is my burden is the ministry of reconciliation not just the ministry of reconciliation to men but to god my burden is to tell those who are not yet his followers that they too are loved by him My burden is to help in reconciling men to men. What is your burden? What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And if you see me standing here today, do not make a mistake about it. I know I've been called to this and I am willing to fight for it. Jesus, our king, had a burden. And they were saying 24-7 he was being worshipped by angels. Day and night, he was worshipped by angels. But chose to come down as men. To live a life on earth. To die a painful death. Because his burden was to reconcile us back to the Father. Yeah. Yeah. If we serve a king that had a burden that he was willing to fight for to even die for is he not calling us to the same standard is he not calling us to the same standard when you find your burden if you have found your burden you need to be willing to do something about it and not just that. You need to be willing to fight for it. You need to be willing to die for it. That's right. When he stood on that cross and he said, Eloi, Eloi, Eloi. <laughs> he was fighting for us. He was allowing his burden to fight on our behalf. Up to the point for his father to turn his back against his only son. The son that he tells us that he loved so much. But this son was willing to go to the cross because he had a burden. And we know that he didn't just die. On the third day, he rose again. The Lord. Jesus lived a life on earth. He came to show us how to live. He carried a burden of being ridiculed by those who thought they knew better. It was no mistake that God took a form of man and came to this place. And he's calling us to look at the life that he lived and say, how do we follow you better? How do we do this better, Jesus? What can we take that you are teaching us? How can we put this into practice in the communities we live in, in the workplaces that we work in? Jesus didn't just come to die. He came to show us a life that he lived. A life of a burden. Everywhere he went, he said the kingdom of God is near. So repent. Let me reconcile you to my father. Repent from your sins. What are some of the walls in your life? That are down is it the wall of marriage in your life that is broken down do you need God to restore that section of the wall what are some of the walls following Jesus that you see down in this place that God is calling you to take your section and rebuild that place if you see the walls that have been broken down in your life, what are you doing about it? Because Nehemiah, when he was told that the walls of Jerusalem were down, he decided to do something about it. I'm gonna ask Dale to come and play in the background as I conclude my message. The amazing thing that Nehemiah does, he recognizes that his help can only come from one place. His help can only come from the awesome God, the God of heaven. If God has a burden that is put in your life, the only help can come from Him. The only help can come from Him. So call on to Him. Because He's where our help comes from. We don't have any other hope but Him. We don't have any other hope but Him. Jesus said and confessed on our behalf as Nehemiah confessed, and he said, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Jesus wants the exiles to come back home. Those who don't know him, he came and called them home, back to their father. Jesus is about reconciliation. He came to ask people to return back to him, back to the Father. Do you feel distant from him this morning? Do you feel that that wall has been broken down in your life? That you are not close to him as you'd wish? Jesus is saying, I will rebuild that wall for you. Just come and confess, just come and repent. Come under my throne. My grace is sufficient for you. I will carry that burden for you. Jesus is calling us to reconnect to him. Jesus is calling us to be reconnected to him. Hey, why don't, you, why don't you do business with God right now? Why don't you do business with God right now? Can you identify the walls? Can you see the walls? Are you gonna confess about the walls? Are you gonna repent about that section of your wall that's not in line? His messes are new every day. And He wants to reconnect with you. He's a God of heaven. He's an awesome and mighty God. He's a God who loves us when we return to Him. As He said, and as Nehemiah prayed, if they return to you, your grace. Will be sufficient for them. So he's calling you this morning. Return to him. Return to him. He's here. He is here and he's near.